to Small Biz Matters. Hello, there I am. Welcome to Small Biz Matters, the half-hour program where you work on your business rather than in it. My name is Alexi Boyd, your trusted lover of all things small business admin expert and uh, proud supporter of small business in our area. And I'm very excited to be welcoming a very special guest today, Jono Herman, who is the director, CEO, uh, organiser. Chair. How the about chair, chair. The chair. Today it's going to be the chair. The chair of the North Sydney Innovation Network. Now we're going to be talking today about innovation, how do we fit in in all of this as small businesses, who is responsible for it. We're going to have a bit of a debate and an interesting chat about where it is that uh, innovation sits in the business spectrum really because I guess from my perspective as uh, having dealt with lots of different small businesses and talking to lots of small businesses on Small Biz Matters, innovation is just a natural part of the business cycle. But where does it sit when we look at business as a whole? When we're talking about business in a particular area, for example, or where we want business to grow or where we want business to change and evolve. And that's what we're going to be talking a lot today. So welcome to the show, Jono. Thanks, Alexi. And yeah, look, I might just kick off uh, very quickly and say, I guess, as you were introducing me, um, try and talk about what innovation is for a small business. Uh, We we, uh, look at things like the uh, the death and the growth of ABN numbers in this country. There's about 900,000 ABNs that die every year oh, wow. um, in Australia. And, and there is a natural turnover, um, call it ecology of the fittest or something, within <laughs> business. And uh, I would suspect that innovation then uh, is sort of a natural process. As new businesses come on, uh, they'll be less paper-driven, they'll uh, use more cloud services, they'll be more online. And so there's a, there's a natural innovation and then there's possibly also disruptive innovation when, you know, when you're starting to talk startups or, um, you know, something that uh, radically changes the nature of business. So something like a disruptive organisation, for instance. Yeah, so uh, let me think of something quickly. It might be um, uh, the way we do, the, the way... We lend money. This is more a fintech thing, uh, peer-to-peer loans. Or, or even if we do look at something like peer-to-peer uh, uh, getting a ride around, uh, Uber, mm. um, for example, is, is quite disruptive. It changes the whole nature of an industry. So then you can't talk about some of the old cab companies being innovative because they've been completely disrupted by a new let's say, innovation-rich business. And coming from the perspective of a small business, what, what philosophically, where do you think um, small business sits? Do you think we tend to sit back and um, be more of these staunch advocates for the old way of doing things? Or do you think we are the leaders when it comes to innovation? I'm just comparing us to, say, the big multinationals, the big companies in there with their thousands of employees. Who do you really think, in your opinion as an expert, is at the forefront of innovation? Uh, Well, in the comparison between small business and corporate, uh, small business has more potential, Mm. uh, but the small business is driven by the small business owner and it's going to be 100% down to them. If they couldn't be bothered changing or, you know, I do it the way I've always done it, um, then absolutely there'll be zero innovation in that business. Uh, What you find obviously with small businesses they have the ability to turn on a dime mm. you know you can shut down shop pre-christmas and pop up in january and and everything's online and they've got a facebook page and and you know they're uh, offering referral discounts via twitter you know uh, that can be um the purview of of a small business owner if they want uh so they have the ability 
to innovate their business. Uh, it's just down to personal choice. And down to the, the desire and, and the need for it, I suppose, if it's... I guess because I'm thinking whenever I think of innovation um, or I get into discussions about innovation, it seems to be focused more on the tech side or the fintech or you don't think of, unless you think of Uber, you don't kind of think of traditional businesses as having any sort of potential for disruption. But uh, would you say that they're the ones who are most likely to have that innovation coming through and being more disruptive because they have the innovation suddenly poking through? Um, they, they are the best users of innovation, if you like, the early adopters. So I think before we came on air, we were talking about cloud accounting. Mm. Australia and New Zealand small business are the world leaders in the adoption of cloud accounting. I'm talking Zero, MYB Online, uh, QuickBooks, Sage, uh, SASU. There's, there's a whole raft of different online cloud accounting packages people can choose from. And Australia and New Zealand are, are the leaders in that adoption. And that just adds productivity. It, it adds ease. Anyone who's got onto one of these suddenly goes, oh, my gosh, I never knew accounting could bookkeeping could be this easy. Or fun. Or fun. <laughs> yes, as Zero used to say, making accounting sexy again. I mean, who knew? <laughs> their conferences are a bit scary, aren't they, with their big ball pits and penguins? No, That's, not penguins, flamingos. Yes, the, the spinning disco lights and it's Rod Drury. <laughs> In joke for anyone who uh, knows the yes, uh, management book, of zero. All you bookkeepers out there. So I think it's an interesting um, way of looking at things philosophically because we've got the, you know, the staunch, the people who kind of sit back and go, I'll oh, do things the way I always have. And then is it a generational thing in your opinion or do you find that it's more about that person driving it and if they've got the taste for innovation and change and adaptability, you it, can, yeah. Is it, or is it more likely to come from... from the younger uh, I think it is generational. Um, I can speak for myself, even in my own family, a demographic generational thing. I'll sort of put those double words together. Mm. So, for example, I've got a sister and brother uh, uh, more than 10 years older than me. Um, I was a love child. I'll put it that way. <laughs> um, Whoopsie. And, yeah, thank you. Uh, and just our familiarity with uh, using Dropbox or Google Drive or, you know, they hate it when I send an email. That's, there you go, public information. You know, they'd prefer me to pick up the phone and talk to them. Um, whereas I'm completely okay with, uh, especially if I have to update several members of my family, I'll send an email. I don't want to pick up the phone and talk three times um, <laughs> necessarily. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, and so I, I think there is generational. And don't forget what I said before is, is businesses live and die. And, and as the uh, coffee shop on the corner gets sold from, you know, the uh, let's say the 50, 60-year-old who's had enough of, of retail and gets bought by the 25, 30-year-old. Um, with the ponytail. With the ponytail. Then guess what? They're going to look at apps to pre-order your coffee and, and uh, supply chain apps to pre-order the cups and the coffee so it all arrives Monday every day mm. pre-ordered and uh, whatever it is that makes that business run more efficiently. Now, one of the things you're mentioning out in the um, in the, the waiting room there where we were talking, I'm going to call it a green room, in the green room there, we, we were talking about um, uh, the use of e-invoicing. Now, I think I'm a big fan of e-invoicing simply to speed up the, the position of, of, of financial, you know, everyone's financial position, get paid faster essentially and move everything in faster. Could you explain to those small businesses out there who haven't come across the concept, how does e-invoicing work and what might be some of the problems that we have as sure, we get Sure, sure. And I should disclaim at this point that uh, while I've been introduced as chair of the North Sydney Innovation Network, I am um, also chair of uh, a startup which is um, 
in the e-invoicing space. So, no. so. But uh, you're an expert, which is why. There you go. Yes. So uh, I would say 99% of the small businesses that are listening in to this radio station would either be uh, invoicing their customers by uh, a PDF attached to an email mm-hmm. uh, or paper still. Mm-hmm. There is still a percentage of people on paper. Uh, both of those methods will change over time. Uh, there is regulatory and government um, impetus to do that into the world of e-invoicing, which is essentially uh, sending a transaction, uh, a request to pay for goods or services, from my accounting package directly to your accounting package. So could I just stop you there? Because I know there, there are quite a few people who would be familiar with something like zero. So yep. we are talking about something that just gets an auto send of an invoice uh, from email to like from the e- in from the accounting package to an email, but then the additional step to that because some quite pe- a lot of people are familiar with that bit is to actually get the e invoice from one accounting package straight into the other. Correct. So instead of when you press send invoice mm-hmm. in zero or MIB or whatever it is, instead of an email being generated, uh, what would happen is there would be some other button send invoice via Mm e-invoicing and that would immediately appear on the recipient's um, accounting package as a draft payable. I don't want to get too technical, but as a a little button that says, do you agree with this bill, this Mm -hmm. invoice? Mm -hmm. And it it would be uh, line item, so everything would be entered. There's no data entry uh, errors or potential for errors. It would uh, presumably be pre-coded to the right code, so there's far less chance of error. There's a we've detected that there's something like 20% of invoices in this land and there's about a billion a year that travel between businesses go to the wrong person. And now that includes, you know, I do business with Joe Blow in a corporate and I he done some work for him. I send him an invoice and he goes, oh, no, this is supposed to go, go to, to our accounts. accounts. Yeah. yeah. So then it gets bounced around and a few days are lost even there. Yeah, whereas, it takes a lot longer to get paid. Yes, whereas in this way... Um, it's immediately in the accounting package. So it can't be whoever's looking at the accounting package, whoever's the bookkeeper or accountant, it has to be at the right person immediately. So you mentioned the possibility for this to become regulatory. Now, we're we're just in the process with the ATOs rolling out single-touch payroll, which is a huge change for small businesses all coming in on the the 1st of July. And those of you who know us um, regularly know that I've had someone from the ATO a couple of weeks ago coming on and talking about single-touch to help educate people. Now, you mentioned regulatory. That's that's a huge step to make this in any way, shape or form mandatory. Is this, in your opinion, the federal government's way of thinking about trying to speed up the payments of small business in the economy? Wouldn't they be just better off making it a mandatory three-week invoicing payment system like they have in France? Um, no, this is the, the core reason for e-invoicing um, is not actually the payment hmm. uh, speed. Uh, there's a number of other advantages to e-invoicing. E-invoicing will allow much better um, data quality on uh, predicting GST. So imagine a big bowl of soup, which is the billion invoices that pass between businesses. Imagine I'm the government and I can look into that soup at any point in time and know what my GST revenue will be next week. I mean, that's the nirvana. Uh, so you're suggesting they can also see this this invo- e-invoicing uh, they'll be able to transparency s- within I'm sure there's going to be all sorts of privacy um, uh, rules and regulations but certainly the GST side which we have to report mm. quarterly anyway 
uh, imagine that could be determined real time. That means your whole budgetary process at multiple levels of government uh, could be very accurate. And they're happy because they're getting more accurate data rather than seeing it as end of the quarter plus a bit of time for people to get their act correct, together. Correct. They can't really sort of, you know, look across email systems and try and extract that. But if there are these invoices passing between systems, um, the black boxes that are sort of the traffic controllers, those invoices mm. can report GST data. Um, there's also, it's another hit on the cash economy, and I don't know where your listeners stand on the cash economy. I'm not going to make any comment, mm-hmm. but... Uh, Certainly, e-invoicing would be a way to um, further put pressure, uh, downward pressure on the cash economy. Mm. And the last and possibly the most exciting piece is um, the relationship between small business and either big corporate or government in terms of e-procurement. You know, trying to sell into a big corporate. If I'm a local coffee shop and I'm providing sandwiches once a week for my local uh, state department down the road... Uh, that's a nightmare. You have to go through all sorts of supplier procurement procurement processes and whatever. So e-invoices, e-invoicing promises to um, take a big chunk of that pain away mm. in the same way as you see the New South Wales government currently looking at all the, the various regulatory forms you have to fill out and trying through uh, Service New South Wales, sort of trying to do single-click um, yes, they processing. are working on improving that. It would be nice if they worked on improving the small businesses that they work with. Although I, I do know that if you work with a government body and you've got less than, I want to say, 10 employees, you must be paid within 30 days. Yeah. So that's at least something to help speed up the economy. And a shout out to Victor Dominello, who I, I oh, think is... Oh, must we? Oh, well, <laughs> uh, I think he's a generational <laughs> leader. Get, in, get in, political on us. <laughs> oh, well, I think he's doing a lot of good in, in digital transformation. I certainly um, like what's going on with Service New South Wales and bringing things into one place and only having to deal with one department. And, and I have to give a hats off to the, to the Service New South Wales team here in Hornsby because they do... It's, they're, they're working really hard to sort of break down that barrier between yeah. business and government, I think. And, and we've, we've morphed now from innovation in small business to innovation in government. Who yeah, knew? <laughs> who knew? They should have been leading the way. Look, we're going to take a quick break here on Small Biz Matters. Um, after this, we're going to talk a little bit more about the North Sydney Innovation Network and what it is uh, that you do and how um, businesses might be enabled to tap into that. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. We'll be back after this. So we're back in the room today with John O'Herman and we are talking all about innovation. Now, um, the reason why I asked John to come on the program today on Small Biz Matters was because we want to talk about the North Sydney Innovation Network, which is intriguing because I don't normally associate innovation and this area of Sydney with those two words, but... I think I need my, my mind changed and uh, I need uh, we need some of our politicians' minds changed as well, I think, for the local area. So tell me about how you came into this existence, why you're so passionate about it and what you think it will be to drive change. Jono. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, and I'll just pick up on uh, why you're intrigued is why we exist. Um, <laughs> the fact that people can't put uh, innovation and North Sydney, North Shore together um, is one of the very reasons for our existence. Is it an old school thing? Uh, oh, where do we go with this? Um, Sydney, uh, New South Wales government moment, without getting too political, is probably very drunk on infrastructure. I noticed in your, your news as well, you're talking about uh, train timetable changes and and whatever. So we're all drunk on um, on building airports and rail, heavy rail and light rail and, and tall buildings in ride. Which, which is good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, in, in it's years good, it's to good, come, it's good. Yeah, yeah. you'll build whatever it is we no, want no, no. to build. No, no, no. I'm not saying um, 
they're, they're not good programs, mm. but that often uh, overshadows, uh, literally, <laughs> when you're talking infrastructure, <laughs> um, uh, innovation, which will, in my belief, fundamentally change both the productivity and the way we live. We, we know it changes the way we live. Ten years ago, we didn't have these smartphones, you know, that now we, our eyes are glued to them. In another 10 years, we're going to have drones flying through the air. We're going to have autonomous vehicles. We're going to have meat that's not meat. We're going to have clean meat, um, uh, meat made out of protein. I heard a CEO of one particular company in New Zealand uh, being funded by Australian Venture Capital who said, I, I live for the day that we no longer have meat aisles at supermarkets. We have protein aisles. So human beings biologically need protein, but it doesn't have to come from an animal. So, you know, these, these are the things that will fundamentally change um, how we live. And, and yes, we'll still need to be on railways and we'll still need to fly in the air and live in houses, but uh, not enough attention, I believe, is, is being given to those subtle things that, that really change our lifestyle. Yeah, thinking outside the box or, or how to use those pieces of infrastructure in different ways. It seems to me like a real old school way of thinking. It's We now think of transport as public transport, yep. car and other there are other ways of getting around that don't necessarily just involve your trains and your own car. We yeah. know that now. That's part of our lifestyle. And it seems as though those infrastructure projects aren't considering those potential innovations in mind. Yes. And then on top of that, even if you stay a little old school and say, well, we're still going to have you know, train systems and like we have now and the Northwest Rail, which is affecting us all around here, um, is important. That That's great. But why don't we have good quality Wi-Fi on the trains? Oh, yes. Well, why, don't, why don't we have some, you know, uh, flip-out um, tray tables on the backs of seats uh, so that people can put a laptop or, or do some work while they're in that two and a half hours of wasted time a mm -hmm. week that you mentioned before? Because that would improve productivity, would um, it not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or it, let's go the whole hog and, and you know, I'm sure um, technicians can, can counteract this, but, uh, you know, why not have some... Uh, PowerPoints down the side of trains in the wall. Um, not expecting that on buses. That might be a bit dangerous. But, uh, <laughs> you know, let's charge our laptops and have Wi-Fi and get an hour's work done as we travel from Barara into the, the city on public transport. So where does the Sydney North Sydney Innovation Network tap into all of this? Are you a... Um, a I don't know, are you a, a lobby? Obviously not a lobby group, but... Yeah, what, well, lobbies, uh, yes, we are. You but mentioned it before as a piece of scaffolding to yeah, support... So, uh, we are a lobby group in part, but lobby is unfortunately Australia. Australia, the, the Australian political landscape can't handle the word lobbyist. You can in America, mm. but here, you know, you get pictures of brown paper bags and, and <laughs> you all just sorts assume of you're in mining, yeah, or, or property. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so uh, we'll call ourselves an advocate, but yeah, advocacy is certainly one part, and uh, the federal government. Uh, was doing well. Not sure where they're at now post-leadership spill. There was a $1.1 billion National Innovation Science Agenda that has sort of gone off the track mm -hmm. federally. Mm -hmm. State uh, doing very well at a ministerial level. I mentioned Victor before, Victor Dominello. The changes with I'll, New South Wales and I'll put out hotel. our common friend, Alexi, Matt Keane, um, doing uh, great things in innovation. I, I have a small question over... Um, the top leadership of this state when um, uh, when the North Shore gets completely ignored. Uh, and then local government is where a lot of uh, stuff really can happen. 
local government will determine uh, what the local policies are on drones, on autonomous vehicles, on public Wi-Fi. Um, open data is a concept, and IoT. Uh, these are concepts that federally and state are going okay, but local governments are still uh, working out what that means for them. Yeah, so that conversation that you have with local government, it involves what sort of policies can they put in place? Because for me, I feel as though they move faster and they're able to be a little bit more, like like small business, they can be a bit more nimble and innovative and they can move uh, more flexibility. Not sure on that point, but <laughs> but I will say, so for, you know, a good shout out to the, the good officers at uh, North Sydney Council, sort mm-hmm. of the, if you like, the local council for North Sydney Innovation Network. Um uh, in March, Jilly Gibson, the mayor down there, passed a mayoral minute yet yet to be um, implemented, but uh, to write a report and uh, uh, understand what the costs and feasibility of providing a, a good quality free public Wi-Fi system across the North Sydney CBD would be. Right. Great for visitors, great for you know business people who go out to lunch and can still tap into their work systems uh, and great just for, you know, Joe Joe Blow public um, to to maintain a connection with their their friends, social media, whatever it is. So that would be something that North, North Sydney Innovation Network taps into. You have those discussions with local, state and federal level across whatever decisions they're making, but you're focusing in on the north area of, of Sydney. Yes. Is that right? Yes. So, you know, obviously we can't implement those sorts of changes, but we're there advocating for them and helping support them. I, I often say the, the role... The role of, of groups like us, and there are lots of other startup and innovation ecosystem roof bodies, Startup Oz and Startup Muster and North Sydney Science Hub and, and a whole bunch of others. Uh, we all are, are like the grease uh, between the cogs of the wheel. So not necessarily doing the hard yakker of the startups and of the small businesses mm. and of mm. the local government, mm. but able to connect, able to advocate for what we believe is, is the best way to go forward. I will just throw out, we, we circle around to why the North Shore mm. and uh, look, I'm, I'm open to uh, having my hypotheses uh, tested, but uh, I think we're politically very safe here and I, you know, it, it seems to be very blue today in the sky and it's very blue on the ground politically in the North Shore and I think that leads to um, politically there's a battleground in other areas like the West. The, the New South Wales government's uh, talk about Sydney's growth is all Parramatta and Penrith and Badgerys Creek. Uh, and that's okay. I understand that from a population, from a jobs perspective, uh, from maybe a housing perspective, uh, although everyone seems to be going up. But if you're, you're treating this state like an innovation business, you know, mm. where, where is the, the good innovation going to come from? Uh, ignoring the Macquarie Park Innovation District, ignoring uh, CSRO, Linfield and Ride, um, the great centres of, you know, St. Leonard's, Chatswood, North Sydney itself, CBD. We have all the big tech companies. They're all in the North Shore. Mm. Uh, th- this North Shore really is a, a big powerhouse for uh, the production of innovation, if you the, like. The potential is there. Yeah, and uh, and that's why we exist, to, uh, to say we are here, we are here, we are here. <laughs> and I noticed that um, you did a survey a, f- a couple of months ago where you were finding out what is out there and who who needs the support and what innovation is is occurring in the area? Um, what were some what were some of the out, outcomes of that? And and just talk to me in general about some of the figures and reports that have come out recent reports on innovation. Yeah. Okay. So um, uh, look, 
a couple of points. Firstly, that survey, I think you're referring to Startup Muster, which is yes. a national. So oh, that's it's a, national, right? That's yeah. a national. That's not the NSIN survey. We just uh, we strongly support Startup Muster, which is uh, a national body that surveys for all startups across the country. Uh, going back a bit uh, to 2016 data, for example, we found that uh, when we're speaking specifically about startups, uh, 53% of North Shore living founders of startups work south of the bridge. So in other words, uh, from the perspective of the opportunities and workplaces, and you mentioned local co-working, mm-hmm. um, uh, that the, there is, I believe, not enough potential, not, not enough capacity. So there, there's, a, there's a demand, but not enough uh, opportunity for people who are involved in the tech innovation startup scene uh, to stay on the North Shore. And why is that, do you think, in your experience? Have you, have you had the opportunity to speak to some of those people who are creating a brain drain and, and bringing that inform- like taking all the information with them to other areas of Sydney instead of helping grow an innovation centre, say, further north? Yeah, look, uh, in terms of innovation precinct policy, I'll call it, um, I think you've got two camps. I think you've got the hub and spoke people um, and then you've got the... Uh, uh, the distributed node people. And Can I'll, you explain I'll explain, I will <laughs> explain those. So the hub and spoke people believe, um, uh, put it in the CBD. Put it in the CBD, have everyone come to the centre and uh, people in the regions, and that's loosely defined, you know, whether it's North Shore, whether it it's Sutherland, to, yeah. or whether it's Dubbo or, or uh, Wagga Wagga or Newcastle or Wollongong, uh, they should all benefit by coming periodically into the centre, you know, getting their information, going back out, but the centre is the focus. And uh, in New South Wales, Jobs for New South Wales spent $35 million on the Sydney Startup Hub, sits above Wynyard, 11 storeys of, of startup innovation space that sits above Wynyard Station. And great, that was a good, uh, great piece of infrastructure within the innovation system. Um, they're now talking about another, um, how much money, I'm not sure, but another chunk of cash, uh, to go into developing what they're calling Tech Central, which is a sort of arc from Central Railway Station round Redfern, Ultimo, through to Australian Technology Park. And and that's where the question marks go up and go, do we need more in the city? Or what about a massive, you know, Tech Central in, in Chatswood or in, in Parramatta um, or, or somewhere south? Uh, I know Anstow, for example, in Lucas Heights, uh, they are going to build an innovation precinct the size of the CBD. Um, and, you know, what support is the New South Wales government giving to that? So, so make us fight for it is what you're saying. I mean, why why just have it just living in the city? It goes completely against everything they're telling us with, you know, stagger the times that you go to work or have a day at home or think about talking absolutely. about working from home with your boss. Well, you can't if we don't have the space, the infrastructure and the internet connectivity to support it. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, so that's the hub and spoke people, to go back to those two. And, and I'll call it the integrated nodal people, say the, the opposite. Say, look, city obviously is an important centre, let's say for fintech. But uh, the north, for example, is is you know has a lot of med tech. Look at mm, uh, we're we're farmer. we're global leaders in terms of hearing tech. Cochlear, the hearing hub, all based at Macquarie. So you know why not build a whole lot of med tech um, uh, companies around that? There's three D printing of bone down in Lane Cove West. Um, there's all these these fascinating bits and pieces. Uh, it can't all be serviced by the CBD. So let's create some other. 
um, hubs, precincts, because uh, there, there is certainly is an argument for uh, collaboration, uh, physical collaboration, physical connectivity in a, in a close area, clusters, precincts. Mm. It doesn't mean you have to have a, a massive warehouse where everyone is in. It might be that you have a venture, venture capital firm in one building, uh, a park in the middle, across the road there's a co-working space, two blocks down there's a bunch of startups, and that you have a network hence the North Sydney Innovation Network, that that connects those and says, okay, this area, it's not all in one building per se, but this area is pretty good for um, uh, whatever part of the innovation spectrum it it is um, and support it that way. So what you're talking about is planning for the future with this in mind. And this is where I hope, I'd like to think, councils in uh, the northern area of Sydney are starting to think about, okay, well, we've got potential explosions of population like we've got in Asquith, Mount Cola. We've got, you know, the 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 density of something like Chatswood. So what do we do with that in mind by creating these areas and encouraging these, these areas to be built? Yep. Is that is that where you're sort of heading in terms of not, I don't want to say lobbying again, but is this where council can prepare for the yeah. future? Yeah, and look, councils are very open to it. I must say we've, we've only got positive reactions from all the councils. Reactions, uh, but reactions are not doing. Yeah, there's, there's signs, as I said, you know, it starts by uh, resolutions at council meetings to, to put in Wi-Fi, uh, to support co-working spaces. Um, so it's coming, uh, but that's why we exist, to keep it to keep pushing it along. Mm, mm. Um, you know, a, a simple example that councils, a, a call out now to councils is uh, in the concept of co-working, or sh- I, I like to make it more general and call it shared workspaces, mm-hmm. or the concept that uh, the work-life balance is dead, people. Uh, it's now work-life flexibility. Um, we can be sending an email for business at 10 at night and also at 2 in the afternoon we might have to go to school to go to the kiddies concert. Mm-hmm. Um so it's all a bit more merged than we thought. There's no balance. It's not like, well, I choose to take off at a certain time. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, councils are great at doing parks, let's say. Okay, good shade cloths and barbecue areas, and they're all very schmicky these days. Uh, why not consider putting weatherproof GPOs, power outlets, underneath the table? And then put a hot, a hot spot Wi-Fi you know, next to it, and suddenly you've got an office you know, yeah. in, in good weather, in yeah. weather like today. Um, then people can come out of their office um, and go and work in the park for an hour. And if the quality of the internet, again, that's another um, you know, core foundational thing we ask for, if the quality of the internet in the area uh, and Wi-Fi specifically is good, um, it, you, know, you can be working in the park, on the bus, on the train, in your office, uh, as you wish. So when we say build it and they will come, we don't necessarily mean build entire buildings with fully fledgling structure and out you know fit outs and everything else it could be as simple as think about the outdoor spaces that you have in your community and how they can help with the work-life flexibility absolutely and then it gets to um you know sydney's drunk on property we have been for a while now uh you know next time a uh, a a 30-story building goes up somewhere um you know why not have in the, the local building code a, a place where drones will land to deliver the pizzas or the medications for the residents? Why not uh, every property developer who's listening, uh, the bane of their existence are the Section 94 contributions. You know, you build a 30, 40-storey building and you're, you're um, compelled to, 
to uh, provide the council a percentage of the building works, often in hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, to council for local amenities. Well, there's not a council in this land that, that uses some of that money for local Wi-Fi. And if you're going to get another 100, 200 people in an area, they're all going to be on their phones. Interesting concept. Look, we're going to take a quick break here on Small Biz Matters. We're raising a lot of questions and a lot of um, good ideas which should be shared about. If you're hearing something that you think would be applicable to your local area, get involved. Go to your council meeting. Ask your local councillor about whether or not that's something that you want to see in your local area because at all levels of government, they should be supporting innovation in these ways. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and Small Biz Matters. We'll be back after this myself on there I am. Welcome back to Small Biz Matters, the half hour program where you work on your business rather than in it. And we are talking to John O'Herman, who is the chairman of the North Sydney Innovation Network. Just before the break, we were talking about what sort of um, ideas and strategies local, federal, state, but particularly local governments might want to consider that will support small business in their area. And uh, also what we want to talk about is what we can do ourselves. What can we do ourselves as a business to support um, our own innovation? So have you got a couple of really easy strategies that people can implement which are really obvious? Uh, Perhaps yep. in your role as the chairman of, of Squirrel Street, for example, like is that that's just an, yeah, an that's, easy that's one. Yeah, that's a simple example. Yes, come and uh, buy our service. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> go uh, paper sorry, free. I'm not allowed to say that already. Go paper free. Uh, absolutely go yeah, paper free. Yeah. Look, paper... You know, who does paper these days? Again, sorry to channel Victor Domino, but... Um, if Stop you, it. Okay. Uh, but he does say, I learnt from him a lovely phrase, if you like paper, go do origami. <laughs> um, and, uh, and that's really the state of paper these days in terms of uh, business data. Mm. Um, uh, yes, you should absolutely be on cloud accounting. Uh, you know, you, you, the, the whole dream of being able to manage your business from a, a, you know, a chair on the beach... Um, not not quite there, but you can get there for, you know, an hour or two. Uh, mm-hmm. You can be on your phone uh, reconciling the latest payments in or out. Um, if you do have stock, uh, then there are inventory management, cloud tools. So get into the cloud. Uh, there's lots of, unfortunately, uh, there are people... You know, running around and say, oh, the cloud's unsafe or the cloud's going to lose your data. You're still, if you're running around with, with uh, arch lever files of paper trying to manage your inventory or, or your accounts, um, you're, you are less secure than, than, you know, I would say ever, any cloud accounting package mm. uh, or, or, or cloud management package, as I said, inventory, or HR. There's, there's a number of other business functions that should be done on the cloud um, yeah, so, so get, you can do your business anywhere. Yeah, and, and, and don't forget about if you have um, the sort of business that can't completely exist on the crowd, talk about hybridisation of perhaps some of the data being stored on-site and some of it being off-site. But there's certainly a lot of fantastic IT management consultants who can help you with that. They are There's a lot of expertise out there when you're floundering with what to do. Um, and I'd also suggest using your professional association as, as a good starting point for recommended apps or tools that they can recommend that are cloud-based or that are more innovative than what you're doing now. Because even younger people, I think there's a lot of people who just get stuck in that. It's just a rut. You just get stuck on the hamster wheel and you just keep working the same thing over and over because you don't have time to research that and find out what's the best for your industry. and But people have done that, so tap into that, that knowledge. Absolutely. And then, um, so that's your business processes uh, and then your marketing. Uh, I mean, you know, 
we're all on social, and we, we, again, we were discussing in the green room before. Um, uh, it's that concept of uh, capacity mm. uh, to to be on Facebook, to be on Twitter, to have a website, even. Um, but you've got to yeah. like. And even if you outsource that, outsource it or pay someone else to do it sensibly. Obviously, if it's not making you more money, stop it. Mm. But uh, if for you know a couple of hundred bucks a week you can get a, a you know a thousand or two thousand dollars extra revenue, it just makes sense. Yeah, but make sure you're monitoring what it is that your outgoings and then yeah. the incomings that are as a result of that. Absolutely. Yeah, and and your Facebook ads and your Google ads, uh, they are often value for money. I don't want to plug the big guys and. They're getting more and more money from our information and our data, mm. and that's fine. But, but uh, so be it. That's their business, and, and that only makes the uh, uh, makes the, the value proposition for you to spend a couple hundred bucks and and be on their systems even more valuable. Uh, for example, when I am meeting in a new area, I I always just Google cafes near me, mm-hmm. uh, and I look for the red dots that come up in Google. If you haven't registered your business as a Google as a place in Google you're losing business. Yeah, absolutely. You have to you have to be able to use those big boys for what value that it can provide, but be careful about spending too much time as you said if it's not working, stop it. Yep. Find out what's working for you and what not not even what necessarily generates revenue but generates presence and online um, visibility if that's important to you make sure that you're getting those numbers and you can track it somehow. You do have to put in a bit of work, let's yeah. put it that way. And I think uh, um, choose uh, Choose the the platform that matches your customer base. If you're um, if you're going for your middle aged set in the Hornsby Waitara area coffee shop, Facebook seems like the obvious um, channel. If you're a professional accountant looking for other professionals to do business with, maybe LinkedIn. Mm. Uh, if you're I don't know if you're uh, got a um, a music shop and your main clients are twenty year old guitarists. You're probably going to be on Instagram taking photos of your late, latest products. Yes, exactly. So know what the products are going to do for you and what the demographic is and, and all that stuff. And that's, yep. that's one way that you can easily innovate. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, let's talk about one other thing as well, because I think what, one of the things that the North Sydney Innovation Network really does well, if you have a look at, if you even just glance at the Facebook page, is those excellent uh events that you've got on and not only your events but you also encourage your members to share their events so that you've got this community vibe going on how did how did you get that started and can you tell me about some of the events that are on the page uh yes how did it get started uh that came from my uh previous uh role i I was part of a team that actually created the first ever co-working space on the north shore Uh, yay start nest in crow's nest now now defunct uh closed in 2015 but we were running events every um, two weeks and and the, the key part of any network is community and the key way to start that we, we started events before we had a space so the North Indian Innovation Network by the way doesn't have a space we sort of wander from working down in Lavender Bay to uh, Australian Catholic Unis Collaborate Plus in North Sydney to Work B in St Leonard's. And that's as far north as you go, I'd just like to add, because um, apart from the Chatswood Business Hub, there's yeah. not much anything further north. By the way, news, breaking news. Oh, uh, breaking the, news. Breaking news. The St George is closing <gasps> the Business Hub at Chatswood. You're kidding. I think it's the 18th of October is <gasps> their last day. But that's it. That's, there's nothing further north than... What, St. Leonard's? Uh, TikTok, so you've got TikTok. St. Leonard's to Gosford. Um, Nothing, except for my admin hubs. Once admin a month. hubs, yes. There, there used to be one at Taramara that closed. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. 
uh, there's a, going back to councils, I know I'm in conversation with Karingai. They want to start one at Linfield when they do their big Linfield renovation, but that'll be four or five years away or whatever. Mm. Um, certainly further up north on the beaches. So if you're talking beaches, there's Mona Vale as Newport. Um, there's a few options if you're on the coast. Mm. Uh, but, yes, it's looking a bit bit lean. A bit bare. Um, if anyone is listening and wants to do a pop-up, co-working wants to uh do co-working for a day a bit like admin hubs um and i've i've sent some material just now to alexi but uh uh more than happy to support that so if you have a space and good internet guys that's all you need at a co-working space it's is a good crucial internet. absolutely and and if you're like me then just bombard the local internet provider begins with t and uh just hassle them and go listen i've got a bunch of businesses coming together give me internet and I will advertise and say thank you and tell them how fabulous you are. I yeah, mean, they, they, that, the big T can actually do uh, mobile hotspots. certainly can. Uh, with 4G, yes. Mm. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's a, there's a, there is a dearth of uh, shared workspaces. There, sorry, there is Macquarie Uni's incubator. There is. Throw out to them. And yes. if you're a hardware startup, specifically hardware, um, CSRO Linfield will take you in. And there's and there's quite a few, um, we, we might not have sort of formal co-working spaces, but there's obviously a lot of groups that get together and they have their networking and yeah. they might be investigating the options. Can they in turn join the North Sydney Innovation Network sort of Facebook page and, and put things up on there yep. as well? We're, we're pretty, pretty, pretty liberal with who joins. If you have something that's sciencey or techie or innovation related, um, you know, if you join our group and suddenly advertise house painting services, you might be booted <laughs> off. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we encourage that sort of connectivity because uh, it is, aside from the advocacy that we've been talking about on this program, then the other side is what can we do to actually uh, encourage and, and um, uh, enhance the innovation on the North Shore? Mm-hmm. And, again, we don't have a lot of power to implement, so the best way we can do that is to educate uh, by providing information and uh, and network, so uh, if people uh, come to us with a, a query, we'll we'll try and match them or encourage them just to post their queries. So it's it's really some of it is is not rocket science. Some people will come to us and say, "Oh, Jono, can you tell people about my new startup?" And it's like, well, just join our Facebook group and post it yourself. Yeah. And now, sixteen hundred plus members that are uh, sitting on that particular channel. We'll, uh, we'll read it and respond. That's right, exactly. And it's, it's that really supportive community environment that you've got there as well. So coming back to what the whole purpose of, of bringing people together and having that advocacy is giving a voice to the innovative businesses who are maybe not innovative doing a widget that's brand new, but they are trying something new, but they're still standalone. And I guess that's one of the things that North Sydney Innovation Network provides is that scaffolding and the support for those businesses who essentially work largely alone yep absolutely um get out there the other other thing with innovation is is talk to your next door neighbor you know the laundromat should uh talk to the coffee shop next door and say just checking in what do you how do you do your accounts like Mm. bookkeeping or have you got a service that scans and gets rid of all this paper or or uh you know how do you how do you manage your supplies start Um, the innovation conversation absolutely (laughs) Look, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on Small Biz Matters today Um, and thanks for sharing all the things that you do and the advocacy that you provide to innovative and um, standalone businesses as well. Thank you very much. And how can people find out more if they'd like to? Uh, Google, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, North Sydney Innovation Network um, or NSIN. I I think uh, 
either of those, uh, we're pretty powerful um, on on Google searches. Mm-hmm. And you can get onto the Facebook page as well. Come, yeah, come Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube channel. All Pinterest those things. Page. We have so much time to, to work across. Thank you very much for coming on the program today, Jono. Well, and so if you've you. missed any of today's show, you can, of course, catch up on smallbizmatters.com.au where the podcasts are available. And we are now on iTunes. Yay for us being innovative Woo-hoo. too. So we're now on there. You can get up to 40 of our latest podcasts. We are in the process of putting all 150 onto iTunes. So make sure you subscribe. Pull out your podcasts link. Subscribe. And there's lots of stuff to listen to there. Everyone from local experts through to local politicians, through to the ATO, who we're now providing information base for, and wonderful people like Jono, who are fantastic advocates for our industry. Why, thank you. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. We'll see you all next week, Tuesday, 9am, for Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd.